As I've been announcing, and uh, you'll see on the screen here in just a moment, I want to preach to you tonight under this title, Our Church Has a Great Future. And when I, when I say that, I don't think I'm viewing the future through rose-colored glasses. I do not believe that the days ahead are going to be easy for this church or for really any other church. The governmental overreach as well as the hysteria that they have created about the coronavirus is going to spell difficult times for God's work. I mean, it's true all over the country. I had a couple of conversations by phone this week. Um, Pastor Tyler was just in a church, runs 15 or 1600 on Sunday. Uh, on a good day right now, they're at seven or 800. Um, these are difficult days for God's people. They're difficult days for God's men. And church, I would, would, would implore you to please pray for Pastor Tyler. Uh, it's one thing to assume the pastorate of a, an established church like this. There's a lot that goes on uh, with that. But then you tack on to that um, trying to pastor in the midst of all of this mess. And it just adds to, to already something that is, is somewhat chaotic. But as we know tonight from the study of our Bibles, this is not the first time that the church has had to deal with the tyrannical government. Uh, just study the book of Acts and you'll find that... Uh, the church was constantly under attack by those who were in authority. But here's the good news tonight. She's still alive and well. And will always be alive and well until Jesus comes. When I say our church has a great future, I'm not, I'm not trying to flatter you tonight. I'm not trying to be sentimental. I'm not trying to play on your emotions. I simply believe, based on the Word of God, that the future of Fellowship Baptist Church is bright. And the part of the Word of God that I base that on is found in the book of Matthew, in chapter 16, if you want to be turning there in your Bibles tonight, Matthew chapter 16, and as you're turning there, let me remind you of some very important things, as if you need to be reminded um, ordination, Pastor Tyler's ordination uh, will be happening at, uh, is that 6.30? 6? 6, 6 o'clock uh, on Friday night. And we're looking for a, a great evening that evening. It'll be very special, uh, particularly to Pastor Tyler and Jenny as well. But it'll be special for us as a church. There's some very special guests that, that Pastor Tyler has invited to come and, and be a part of that to service on Friday night. And so we'll want you to be here 
to, uh, to be a part of that. We'll need you to vote uh, on that night, and so I, I hope you'll be here ready uh, to do that. And then, of course, Saturday night, uh, Brother Jim, Melissa Brady uh, will be with us. If you've never had the opportunity uh, to hear the Bradys, either uh, live or, or via recording, uh, maybe one of the Gaither videos or something, I'm just telling you, they are going to be a blessing It'll be a blessing on Saturday night. They've got a great music ministry, and they're just good people. And they will, they will bless your heart. And then, of course, Sunday. <laughs> Who can forget about Sunday? Um, we got a few things going on Sunday. And I hope you'll be here. 10 o'clock Sunday morning is when we'll begin. And uh, no doubt it's going to be a, a great, great service. I want to give you three reasons from this text why I believe Fellowship Baptist Church has a great future. And the first one is this, the Lord promises to be the builder. Notice what, excuse me, I guess we ought to read the text. Verse 13, let's do that. I got busy announcing all that and forgot to read the text. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So in that phrase, I will build my church, we see that the Lord promises to be the builder. And this is not simply a prediction, it is a promise. In this statement, Jesus is committing himself personally to the task of building his church. He is guaranteeing It's rise. I find it interesting to note the place where Jesus chose to make this historic proclamation to his disciples. It was in the midst of Gentile territory in the region of Caesarea Philippi. They were about 200 kilometers or about 125 miles from Jerusalem. In northern Palestine. Jesus, get this, Jesus chose a place known for its pagan religions. At one time, Caesarea Philippi had been a center for Baal worship. According to one scholar, there were 14 temples of Baal worship in that area. There was a hill with a cave that is said to be the birthplace of Pan, the Greek god of fertility and nature. 
As you approached the city, you would have seen a glistening white temple. That would have been Caesar's temple. You would have been struck by the might and the declared divinity of Rome. It was under the shadow, listen, it was under the shadow of rival religions and Caesar's own temple that Jesus said, I will build my church. I point out these facts simply to say this. It doesn't matter what city you're located in or where you're located in that city. If the Lord decides that he wants a work built there, he will get the job done. It doesn't matter what kind of opposition the work of the Lord may encounter. If he wants a work built there, he will get the job done. And even in the midst of a pandemic, Jesus can build his church. And by the way, is building his church. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a part in it. Because we do. And that brings us to the next reason I believe our church has a great future. It's because the Lord chooses to use everyday people. Some mistakenly interpret the Lord's words in Matthew 16, 18 to mean that the church was built on Peter. But that's not the case at all. I'll not go into a long explanation of that because I've got a lot of other things I want to say tonight. But this is not to say that Peter was not instrumental in building the church. In the first 12 chapters of Acts, Peter's name is mentioned some 50 times. It's found in every chapter except chapter 6 and 7 where where it records the story of Stephen. Until Paul came along, Peter was perhaps the most influential human instrument the Lord used in the work of the church. But here's the point I want to make tonight, which will lead me really into what I really want to share with you tonight. Peter wasn't perfect. Peter had his faults. I mean, the, the guy denied the Lord for crying out loud. Yet God chose to restore and strengthen Peter and to use him in a special way. Why? Because the Lord chooses to build his church with everyday people. And if he can use Peter, then God can use us. And through the years, God has used some ordinary people in extraordinary ways to be a blessing to Katie and I and to our family. Over 40 years ago, long before my sweet wife was ever in the picture, God used some ordinary, imperfect people 
to reach out to a loud-mouthed, obnoxious bus kid and invite him to church. And here I am. Brother Ted and Darlene Hoskinson and Brother David and Marilyn Thomas, neither of them are here tonight. But they ran a bus route over in Tyrone. They both lived there, and so they kept the bus parked over there. And They would visit around on Saturday, and then, just as we do here, they would drive by the homes and honk the horn, and those kids would come out. And, and I'm telling you, in those days, it wasn't anything for us to bring in 30 or 40 kids from Tyrone. And I will forever be indebted to them. Especially to Ted and Darlene. Because they not only gave me a ride to church on the bus on Sunday mornings, but they would come by my house on Sunday nights and Wednesday night in their own personal vehicle and pick me up. Every night of a revival, they would pick me up. Every night of a missions conference, they would pick me up. Every time there was a youth activity, they would pick me up. Ted and Darlene were the the youth directors at that time. And I can't tell you how many hours they probably could. They would say way too many. The number of hours that I spent every week at their house. It was kind of like Ted would say to Darlene, honey, let's turn the lights off so the kids can go home. (laughs) I was the kid. But I'll tell you why I was there. It was my safe place. It's where I went to escape the dysfunction of my own home. It's where I saw a family model of love and honor and respect for one another. Never saw that at home. It was in a youth group that I made a friendship with a guy named Rick Grant. Rick's not here tonight either. But that friendship has been a friendship for a lifetime. Rick wasn't your average teenager. He was a cut above. He never held himself up as that. He never presented himself as better than anybody else. I'm not saying he didn't like to to get into trouble every now and then, honoriness like the rest of us. He, He loved sports. He wasn't... Didn't mind roughing it up every now and then. But I'm just telling you, he was different. He was a leader in our youth group. And he helped me as a teenager. And in all honesty tonight, I would have to stand here and say the entire Grant family We'll never know the difference 
that they made in my life in those early days. We're just talking about God using ordinary people. Just ordinary people. And then there's my pastor. Brother Landis. Good to have his wife here tonight. I'm glad she's here to celebrate this weekend with us. For some reason, out of all of the teenagers he could have taken under his wing to mentor, God led him to choose me and he knit our hearts together. Believe me, there were many other less difficult people for him to choose from. I'm not looking over there because she's probably saying amen. But I will forever be indebted to my pastor and to my mentor. I so wish he could be here. With love for him to see what God has done. I'd love for him to be here to witness what happens on Sunday. He would be so proud. And then as I look around the auditorium tonight, I see the faces of some people Ordinary people, hardworking, run-of-the-mill people whom God has used in various ways at various times and in, in various situations to be a special blessing in my life. Brother Monty, I have so much respect for you. As a staff member, I watched you love and support your pastor. You have no idea, Ms. Landis can testify to this, you have no idea how many times in just casual conversation and in, in, in sermons from pulpits all over the country he mentioned you by name to other pastors as an example of loyalty. And then as I assume the pastor's position here, I know it had to be hard early on but you've been no less loyal 
and no less supportive. I've watched you honor God in times when the oil field was good, and I watched you honor God when it wasn't so good. I watched you handle the untimely death of a daughter. And then the death of your wife. And through it all, you've been rock solid. Thank you for being such an inspiration to me. Bill and Deanne, When you had the opportunity and were encouraged to walk away from Katie and I and from this church, you chose not to, even though some did. You were willing to give us the benefit of the doubt. I'm glad you did. This church is a better place because of Bill and Deanne Mills. And I'm thankful tonight that I don't have, honestly, I do not have a lot of horror stories about pastoring here. But there was a time few years ago when Katie and I were unjustly and unfairly attacked. And in the midst of our devastation and at the, the lowest time ever in our ministry here for the Mike and Joyce Barnes Or God sent. You were two of a very small number of people who had any idea what was going on. And I cannot thank you enough for being there for us and encouraging us and supporting us. Pastoring family has not worked out well for some guys. <laughs> it's about horror stories. There are some horror stories. Some pastors who've tried to pastor family and family of family. But I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed pastoring my brother. And his family. Rick and Candy, as well as every one of their children, have been nothing but a blessing all these years. You've never made us feel anything less than your pastor.
pastor's wife. To our staff, both past, where's Crystal? There's Crystal right there. Crystal Corley snuck in on us. What a blessing to see her. What a blessing the Corleys were. But to our staff, both past and present, thank you. All caps. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Thank you for making this a better place. And thank you for making me a better pastor. And church, I'm not even sure what to say to you as a whole regard to the way that you rallied around our family at the time of TJ's death. I've never seen any, I've never experienced anything like it. And thank you seems so inadequate. But it's the best I've got. So thank you. Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. He said, for what is our hope or our joy, or crown of rejoicing. Are not even ye talking about the Thessalonians, those who he's been responsible for preaching the gospel and seeing them saved? He said, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Paul told the Thessalonians, he said, listen, ye, You being saved and being in the presence of the Lord is a joy to my heart. It causes me to rejoice. And I've not been the most prolific soul winner as your pastor. But I have had the fortunate opportunity to lead some of you to the Lord. And they've all, all been memorable moments. There are a few I'd like to mention tonight that have been especially memorable for one reason or another. Chief, it was May the 7th, 2011. Dave McCracken was here for a revival. The chief came in by himself on a Monday night. I knew something was up. And that night, during the invitation, I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. That will be memorable because of who he was at the time. He wasn't just anybody. He was a chief of police. And for a good while after that, he would encourage officers, hey, you need to be in church. You need to come to church. Listen, God can help your family. And I'm thankful that he gave me leeway in, in, 
in the department to share my faith and to reach out to the other men and women of the Liberal Police Department. Thank you. Marlon Meisenheimer. Get her done, Marlon. I guess our story started on August the 8th, although I had invested a lot of money in that wagon over there long before August the 8th. Some of you know the story. Marlon and Dorothy were closing shop. I thought, well, I better get me one last pulled pork sandwich and beans. And so I drove by there. Marlon was out by the cooker thing over there. I was just popping off. I know that's hard to believe. I said, Marlon, I said, you're making it awful hard on a guy like me who depends on you twice a week for lunch. Now, I wasn't that close to Marlon. I, we knew each other. They had catered meals here. I was a regular customer. But, I mean, they were friendly to everybody. Is that right? They knew everybody. They were friendly to everybody. And Marlon walked over to me. He said, Bill, and his eyes started watering up. He said, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And not even really knowing him that well or being that close, the Lord just prompted me to say, Marlon, do you mind if I have a word of prayer with you? And I did. I just put my arm around him, prayed with the guy, went on about my business. Next thing I know, I'm getting ready to leave the office here on a Saturday, and I look over here, and there's some guy over there in a red shirt, as if the guy has any other color shirt. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who that is. I'm thinking, it's probably one of the church guys. I'm going to swing by and just thank him for, you know, for doing a ministry. And I roll up, it's Marlon. I said, Marlon, what are you doing? He said, well, I got a little extra time on my hands. Thought it'd come be a blessing. We talked. I don't know how long we talked. It was for a while. And then he said, hey, you, you think it'd be okay if the, the wife and I came to church here? Absolutely. This is the greatest part of the story. He said, so will there be, will there be somebody there to tell us when to stand up, when to sit down? I said, Marlon, this isn't a Catholic church. This is a Baptist church. He said, well, I, he said, I, I just don't want to take anybody's seat. I said, Marlon, this isn't a Methodist church. This is a Baptist church. He said, well, will, will there be somebody back there to, like, take the money? I said, Marlon, this is a Baptist church. And so Marlon and Dorothy started coming September, October, November. I was preaching through the book of John at that time. One Sunday morning, the Lord just beat the fire out of Marlon. 
And he come out the doors, and man, his face was red, and his eyes were red, and he looked at me and said, you got me this morning. We need to talk. And like an absolute idiot, an absolute idiot, I said, okay, let's get together tomorrow. Is a guy ready to get saved? And I say, yeah, let's get together tomorrow. So we're out eating lunch. And I get this text from Marlon. He said, I can't wait until tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. And so that afternoon, about 2.30, we came up here and Marlon got saved. I know parking lots just seem to be our place, Marlon. T.J. died on February the 6th. We headed to Burden on February the 7th, stopped by Hutch's to get some gas, went in and got something to drink and coming out, and there was Marlon. On the hardest day of my life, he was there in the parking lot of Hutch's. So I guess hard days in parking lots, it's just our thing. Marlon will be a forever friend. I remember years ago when Phyllis McCarter got saved. What a glorious day that was. And I remember the night she got baptized. Kent came angry, grouchy, nasty looking. Didn't want to be there. Did not want to be there. It was obvious. But he stuck it out. Through the preaching, baptism. And then I don't know if it was the next week or not, but shortly after that, he came again. He told his wife, said, I'll never go to a church where Billy Prater's a pastor. Goes back to the old softball days. They couldn't hang with us, that kind of thing. Ain't <laughs> that right, Potsy? Yeah, baby. And I remember the Sunday morning. Phyllis came out and grabbed my hand, leaned over and whispered in my ear. I think Marlon's ready for a visit. Kent. And that Thursday, baby, won't you come up here? That Thursday night, what, a thousand sycamore, I think? Went in the house, and Kent sat in his chair, and I sat in his chair. And I opened my Bible. Just went through the gospel again. That night, Kent humbled his heart, bowed his head, cried like a baby. Because he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. And there's, there's so many other stories I could tell. We got a huge choir practice tonight, so those are some things that have just stuck out of my mind. I'll lay awake tonight and I'll think of it. Why didn't I say this? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't just if if I didn't get to everybody, I hope you'll forgive me. Those are just some things that stuck out 
over the course of the last week or so. I know Katie's got some things that, that she wants to share with you, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Tonight I want to take a minute or two to tell you some things that are on my heart. You know, they say motherhood is a journey out of selfishness. Any mom here would agree with that and understand that. My heart at this time is pulling in two directions. The part of my mother's heart, I am so thankful that God called my son to preach. And not only preach, but called him to be the pastor at Village of Baptist Church. His whole life, I have prayed and done my best to prepare him for how God might want to use him. 3 John 4 is one of my favorite verses, which says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I am so excited for you, son. I know it doesn't look like it, but I really am. I'm trying to put on my excited faces. I'm ugly crying. Um, and Jenny Lee, as you start your next journey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to try to be the best cheerleader for you that I could be. As your mom, I couldn't be more proud. Tyler, you're an amazing preacher, a father and a dad. You are going to be an amazing pastor. Amen. My pastor, how cool is that? <laughs> I'm so glad that you didn't go to the NBA. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, like you told Miss Barnes you were going to do. Yes. And that you didn't need to learn decimals because in the NBA you wouldn't need that. But in sixth grade, you learn those decimals, and every pastor needs to know what 10% is. Ginny <laughs> <laughs> oh. Lee, you are going to be an amazing pastor's wife. Amen. You have done so much to prepare for this time. So much grace, so much beauty, so much hard work. And honey, you've done it well. Amen. I love you, and I can't wait to see how God is going to use you in Fellowship Baptist Church. Now, the second part of my heart is struggling to say goodbye to one of the most precious gifts God has ever given me, and that was calling me to minister at Fellowship Baptist Church, whether it was the wife of a choir director slash janitor, <laughs> a youth pastor, associate pastor, or now as your pastor's wife. I have absolutely loved serving with you. As Winnie the Pooh said, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. And I would say it this way, how blessed I am and how loved I have been saying goodbye so hard. So I feel a little bipolar these days, so bear with me. 
I do have so much to be thankful for. I wish I had hours to mention every one of you that are here tonight that have been such a big part of my life and my heart. If I don't mention you, please don't think you have not been a blessing and have not been important in my life. I love you all so very much. When I think of how you have loved me, I thought about loyalty. The dictionary says loyalty is faithfulness to a cause or a leader. So many of you have been so faithful. Thank you to my kids. I am so blessed to be your mom. <laughs> and I have been able to see you serve the Lord. Thank you for being so loyal and faithful to your dad and I. We couldn't have accomplished what we have without you by our sides. Tip and Kelby, you are a constant encouragement to me. If I could have picked a daughter, Tiff, I would have still picked you. You are just as beautiful on the inside as you are on the outside. Kelby, I would choose you all over again for my little girl. <laughs> I know that makes you feel good. Um, thank you, church, for loving my kids and my grandkids. You have become their family and their best friends. Their life is better because of each one of you. Family is so precious, and I couldn't forget Rick, Candy, Sid, Miranda, Mindy, Lindsay, Caden, Dalton, and Kara. Serving with you has been a huge blessing. You have loved me as your Aunt Katie, but also as your pastor's wife. Thank you, Candy, for showing me love in so many ways. I am so blessed to have you as my sister and my friend. I had no idea when I led you to the Lord that you would become such a big part of my heart. God is so good. Thank you, honey, for teaching me how to be a pastor's wife. The lessons I learned from you made a huge difference. I still tell people it's better to have too much than not enough. <laughs> Thank you, Mike and Elizabeth, for giving up so much to stay in Liverpool and serve with such kind and loyal spirits. You are great examples of what it means to truly love the Lord. Thank you, Deanne, for being my Bible study buddy. God let us um, be a part of him changing lives through his word. I will carry with me many pieces of wisdom you shared with me. You helped me and made me a better wife, mother, and pastor's wife. Thank you, staff girls, past and present, for being the best, being so faithful, and making a difference in my life. You took my ideas and you made them better. You are superstars in my life. I will forgive you all, though, for making me sit on the Lord's table. <laughs> I should say thank you here to Joel and John Knudsen for fixing the Lord's table. And there's always a little more to that story, but I won't share it. 
And when I think of the Fellowship's family love, um, I think of the way you have opened your home and your life to us. Thank you, Knudsen family, which is a big family, so a big thank you. What a difference you've made in so many lives. Your imprint is all over this wonderful place. Brother Kay, thanks for letting me teach and coach. I loved it. I am so sorry for putting all those sticky notes on your computer to remind you of what you were supposed to do and for making a deal with sweet Malia to reward her if she would bug you about it until you did it. She was the best at that, maybe better than me. Many years ago, a girl rolled up to the church on a motorcycle in Camel. I thought to myself, who in the world is this girl? Well, it was Diane Knudsen. The Lord put her in my life when I needed her as a young youth pastor's wife. I think her and Amy ate supper more at my house than they ate at theirs. I would feed them, listen to them fight, and even back then laugh until my sides hurt. Oreo cookie shakes, matching dresses, nursery, teaching your kids, and a purse full of candy. God has been so good to me through you. Thank you, Amy, for always making my birthdays and Christmas presents and every skit special I could come up with. California Raisin, every single type of fairy there could be. An elf, Minnie Pearl, Wanda Benita, the Blutch, I can't even say that word and it's gonna sound naughty. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna do it. I practiced. Voluptuous. Yeah, I just knew that it was gonna put a, it was a Viking girl. Random mothers, random daughters, and any others that my 61-year-old brain can't remember. What, but what I will never forget is the love you poured out on me. Thank you, Gary and Gwenda, for loving us. After we lost our TJ, Preacher was out of town. For some reason, that morning was hard for me. During our Bible study, you stopped the class. You had them all get around, gather around me, laying hands on me, asking God to give me grace and strength. I will never forget that and the kindness you and Gwen have shown us. Thank you, Kristen, for becoming one of our family and not holding it against me when I ran out to the parking lot yelling, Crystal, Crystal. <laughs> I wanted you to come eat um, with us so we could get to know you. It wasn't the greatest first impression, getting your name wrong, but the potatoes and the gravy made up for it. I think of the love that gives you a vision to see what we could see. Thank you heart to heart, ladies, that join me every year excited and ready for what God had for us. What a special time that was. I loved heart to heart. Thank you, Simona, that when I came to you with, I have an idea, you didn't run. You were there to run with my vision, whether it was heart to heart theme, a skit, or a ladies brunch. What a blessing you have been. You were TJ's first babysitter. 
And you cried when he got his first attention. Before he could even get to him, you were in tears. <laughs> Tiff, growing up with Liberty, heard me call you Sam and just assumed that you were Uncle Sam, and she called you that. You let me be a big part of Hoot's young life. My heart still loves to hear her call me Aunt Katie. I will never forget the Route 44 sitting on my, po my pouch, my porch, every morning when we had COVID. You and John are a blessing. Then I want to thank the Potts family. You have been such a big part of our ministry. When Preacher had a vision of what could be here at 310 West Pancake, your dad was right there with us. Your dad was a great man and was my husband's friend. We loved him so much. He knew how to love and support the man of God. Yes, he did. We will never forget him. He gave his life serving and loving. Thank you for giving grace during the most difficult time of your lives. Each one of you made Fellowship Baptist Church a better place. I love you, Marie, Jim, Rainy, Tammy, and Rick. Then when I think of love, I think of encouragement. Thank you, Joe and Teresa, for always being there for us. You started out in the Acts class, and you said you would never leave, and you haven't. <laughs> you have done many things to be a blessing that no one knows about. But Joe, all those phone calls, the ones where you pretend to be a weirdo, that literally shook me up. <laughs> I would get so mad at you. Then one day I got a call from this guy. He had a weird voice, and I assumed it was you. So I told him to stop it. And I told him, quit being so weird. Well, it wasn't you, Joe. It was a businessman here in Liberal. I hung up on him, and he never called back. I don't know, Joe and Teresa, if you want to follow us all the way to the nursing home one day, but that could be a lot of fun. But I do hope there are no phones. We love you. Thank you, Ruthie, for being down the street and knowing every time I was in pain, when my grief was too much, when I just needed a Diet Coke. You brought me batteries, a TENS unit when I couldn't move, shared your ibuprofen, don't tell anybody, <laughs> took me to the doctor, and many other things. I love you. I'm sounding like I'm pretty high maintenance by now. Um, thank you to the Barnes family. You are all rock stars. That includes Bradley, too. <laughs> you are a blessing to Preacher and I. Joyce, I am so blessed by our friendship. I could list all the things you have done, but we don't have ours. You have unselfishly loved me and my family through our darkest times and have been there on the mountaintops to celebrate with us. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, and that is so true. You make me better. And I have been reminded so many times by you that I do have a friend in you. Thank you for being one of the best gifts God has given. 
And lastly, God gave me an extra mom and dad when I came to fellowship many years ago. You were there for Preacher, and you have been there for me. Thank you, Mom and Dad Hoskinson, for loving me like your own. You taught me so much and have made my life so much richer. I love you both. This place we call Fellowship Baptist Church, you see, is so much more and so much to me. I will say this, you have loved me well. Psalm 103, 1 through 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I will never forget you and what God has blessed me with when he allowed me to be your pastor's wife. I want you to love Pastor Tyler, Jenny Lee, and Kevin well, like you did us. Amen. Thank you, and I pray God repays each one of you for the uh, in this fellowship family for what you have done for us as we serve together in the greatest place on this earth. I love you to the moon and back. Thank you, baby. I want you to take a look, uh, just for a moment, take a look around you tonight. Church, it didn't take a group of multi-talented, super sharp, flashy church building professionals to accomplish the Lord's work. It just takes a group of saved, sanctified, surrendered, spirit-filled servants like you. Our church has a great future. Real quick, finally, because the Lord promises His protection. You can see that in verse 18. I don't know a lot of the history of, of this church prior to 1976, but I do know this. She has weathered some very difficult times during my nearly 45 years of being here. There have been attacks from within. There have been attacks from without. But through them all, God has kept her safe. There's no reason to believe that he won't continue to do his part if we continue to do ours. And I say ours because Katie and I plan to be faithful, active, serving members here for many years to come. And son, thank you for letting us. It's not our desire to remain your pastor and pastor's wife. God has chosen someone different to do that. But it is our desire to remain friends and co-laborers together in the greatest work in the world, God's work.